sounds like but whatever i thought it'd be a fun intro that's episode 65 uh part of the reason i'm doing this back to back is fully uh, admitting i just wanted to use the title cry space <laughs> uh, i was kicking myself for not coming up with that one uh last night oh i guess i should turn off the base city rollers so uh but a couple of things have popped up that uh i just had more thoughts and uh, i talked a little bit today on a podcast i recorded and then also um, a, a few other things that have like developed in the last 24 hours with this. Elon Musk put up a Twitter poll where he's asking to have, um, where he's asking if Donald Trump should be reinstated. Now, people assume that that means to Twitter, but he didn't say Twitter. So keep in mind that. Uh, it's 51%, 51.8% yes. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the final thing. It would, it would be kind of funny if he did. Uh, but the quote tweets on that are instructional. You have the congresswoman out of Bronx, New York, uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, who is just now complaining her account is being throttled. So she's now turned into Marjorie Taylor Greene, or I guess always has been. It's just, you know, astronaut astronaut meme. Um that's kind of one of the things that happened. And I want to read a couple of, uh, I want to read a couple of threads. Uh, one was sent to me by a podcast subber named Oliver Campbell. And uh, I want to read this again, even though I did it on the podcast is dad, author, Twitch affiliate, monster hunter, Capcom USA content creator. I make the absurdity of life fun. Aniki of Metro city boys podcast. Um, he has a pretty good thread on, the mechanics of what's happening at Twitter, put, put aside the culture and put aside the culture wars and the, you know, uh, the activists are all kicked out and whatever. So put all of that aside. I, I found, I found this Twitter thread enlightening and fascinating and I agree with just about all of it, which is why I'm reading it. And this is, this is the kind of stuff a tech journalist should actually be talking about. Not like I've done Mastodon bar. Um, or anything like that in Twitter spaces. This is the kind of like, this is why Twitter is so good because here's a guy who is not a journalist and he's giving information and it's smart information has 9,000 retweets, 48,000 likes. I don't think I've ever had that. And this is the kind of information that tech journalists used to tweet out and give like wired magazine and everything, which we talked a little bit about last night. He says, all right, I'm going to explain what Elon Musk is likely doing over there at Twitter. This is not a discussion on whether it's right or wrong, just that it's happening. If I'm wrong, I'm sure he'll pop up and say so. What Elon is engaged in is something called wailing and culling. First, the wailing. It's a common refrain that you've probably heard at some point or another, 10% of the people do 90% of the work. That's what, uh, that's what tight two-week deadline for Twitter Blue was. He was perfectly aware that it was an unrealistic time frame, but it was a test. By pushing for such an extremely tight deadline, Elon got to see who is actually doing work and who is resting on their laurels. Furthermore, it proved you could actually perform under extreme pressure. You know, the whole get this done or you're fired level of pressure. 
Hence, Elon was looking for the whales at the company, the heavy hitting, actually producing and hard people who have been there for a while. When the whales don't have to carry dead weight, they perform like the equivalent of 10 people. Second is the culling. When you've got 90% of the people not performing, they're actually negatively impacting the 10% who are performing above and beyond. And that's why the layoffs happened. Paraphrased, shit is going to change around here. Get on board or get out. So by culling the unproductive staff, he actively untied the hands of the productive staff, fewer obstacles to getting in the way of getting things done. It also revealed to him who was there to make Twitter a better product versus who was there to be activists. So now you've chopped your workforce down to people who actually perform, but they're not enough to run everything. This is why after all those people are let go, there's going to be a surprise hiring of a bunch of new people. Why? Because the productive people actually know what they need to get things done. Don't be surprised if the people that are left get to be part of the interviewing process even. They'll be looking for efficiency in people who don't take their jobs, make their jobs more difficult. So when you continually slice away the bad portions of something, all that you're left with is one of two potential outcomes. One, nothing usable. It's rotten at the core. Or two, some substantially good bits you can salvage and build upon. Elon is gambling on two. This is what he was, this is what he was talking about with Twitter 2.0. It's likely not a new Twitter, not for us. It's a new Twitter internally, how things get done, how things get rolled out, rebuilding the company with productive and more efficient people. What I'm saying is take a look at the reactions. The people that are staying at Twitter are hunkering down and working. The people he let go are the ones calling doom and gloom and they're not, and they're not wrong the way that things were done is over at Twitter. So from the outside, this looks like a giant cluster, but it's going to surprise you is that a great number of businesses are run exactly like this. There's a reason layoffs happen every single year across the world. Whaling and culling Eon is just being very vocal about it. Like I said, at the start of the post, I didn't say this is a right or wrong thing, just like what is likely happening. But if you never thought about it before, now you have something to think about. And I think he's probably 100% right. If not, you know, if Elon didn't walk in and throw an unrealistic test at him, but this is a guy who runs Tesla and he runs other companies. Uh, he, you know, he oversees engineers of rockets. <laughs> so when he goes into Twitter and he has like the skittle haired person in the furry costume bitching about him to an NBC reporter, he probably sees that and just goes, get out. Like, you're not, you're not here to make this product better. And as I've always said, Twitter the last few years, I've never ran into a, an app or a social media app that actively tries to discourage people from using it. <laughs> Whether it's the turning off replies button or hiding this topic button or uh, putting on the sidebar and, and not updating, whatever. And so... I, th I think there's a lot of truth to what he's saying here about Twitter 2.0 is, is not about the users. It's about how the company is now viewed and how it is run. And as I said, Twitter as it stood now or prior to Musk was a progressive activist tool that became a tool for the Biden administration and the Department of Homeland Security to basically suppress opinions and information they didn't have. If the CDC told them, and we have emails that show this, if the CDC said, hey, get that guy off the platform, they went, yes, sir. And that's why it had to die. Twitter as it was, was not going to be sustainable. And so a lot of the, a lot of the backlash and what you're seeing, especially from tech journals who are fleeing to Mastodon, and I'll get to that in a second, 
Uh, Antonio Garcia Martinez, who is a Silicon Valley guy, I, I believe he worked for Apple or Google, one of these two. I followed him for a long time, and he's a, he's one of these guys who is very smart, very level-headed. He, he kind of doles out behind-the-scenes information once in a while. And he had maybe one of my favorite summations of this whole ordeal, both the reaction to what Musk is doing, both from journalists and the Biden administration and corporate media. You now have CBS spending all the usage of Twitter, although they still use TikTok. And he says here, what Elon is doing is a revolt by entrepreneurial capital against the professional managerial class regime that otherwise everywhere dominates, including especially large tech companies. And that same PMC, which includes the media, is treating it as an act of le majesté or treason. And I think that that's exactly right. And this is why this drama at Twitter feeds into what we saw with uh, Sam Bankman Freed and just the governing world philosophy. Uh, Twitter largely ceased being a tech company and an application for people to use to share information and share opinions and news and whatever they wanted, basically. And it became a kind of self-important uh, activist arm of a progressive media causes. And of course, the Biden administration. Um, on the uh, front of how were things at Mastodon? Mastodon is the app that uh, our journalists have chosen as their refuge. They have cho this is they got in the lifeboats. They said Twitter's over. It's uh, it's done as we know it. It's gone. Whatever. Bye bye. We need we need to do something. We need to find something that can you know uh, where we can have a presence still to put out information that we want that isn't like Tumblr, where you're competing with you know black and white naked boob gifs. Although Mastodon has some interesting user bases. So they all just kind of flocked over there. And it seems like they didn't really do much due diligence in learning about what Mastodon is or whatever. And I had a great couple of discussions last night, for those of you who missed it, of somebody basically just t said what it is. And it's basically a bunch of servers that just run on under the umbrella of Mastodon, but they're all independent. Well, as it turns out, the pre- the pre-Elon Musk meltdown user base of Mastodon is none too happy that the journos have decided to claim it as their own. Per uh, Columbia Journalism Review, journalists want to recreate Twitter on Mastodon. Mastodon is not into it. First of all, you're not going to recreate Twitter as a journalist because you don't create anything, okay? You came onto Twitter to use it in a way that you see fit, and part of why Twitter had to die is you convinced Jack Dorsey and Twitter's leadership that Twitter had to become what you are. And in turn, that almost killed the platform. I, to this day, I don't understand why Dorsey and these people who the curation teams who create, who were creating sidebar content that was biased, um, decided that they were going to listen to a bunch of people, uh, whose industry they basically killed completely. So already this starts out saying journalists want to recreate Twitter. Well, you're not going to recreate Twitter because journalists don't create anything. So I'm going to read a part of this because I just posted this up at my Twitter, incidentally. And every time I think the story can't get better um, or I've just my the goofy grin I've had on my face for the last three days can't get bigger. It does. Ever since Elon Musk completed his $45 billion takeover of Twitter last month, there's been a steady stream of users, including a number of journalists, 
signing up for Mastodon, an open source alternative. No one controls Mastodon, or rather, everyone controls their own version of it. There are thousands of servers running the software, and each one chooses which servers it federates or exchanges information with. Don't like the users who belong to a specific server? Just block them. Unfortunately, for some of the journalists who have joined the service, this mass blocking or defederation approach is now being applied to them. <laughs> a server that caters specifically to journalists was set up recently by Adam Davidson, the creator of NPR's Planet Money podcast. Uh, Davidson's a young kid and he kind of he does these awkward things uh, for NPR. And it's kind of like a Wes Anderson style. So the fact that they're all following this kid's lead doesn't surprise me. Uh, jumping back in, at last count, the server called Journahost <laughs> had about 1,300 users, including some prominent journalists and me. The author is Matthew Ingram, by the way. Uh, not me, it's him, him in the article, me. Earlier this week, a user of another network pointed out that about 45 instances are blocking all content from members of Journalhost. <laughs> Among the reasons given for blocking users from the server are that it allegedly populated by, quote, clickbait tabloid journalists who can, quote, can be expected to collect, search through, and misinterpret anything you say with the goal to share this publicly to an, as big an audience as possible, enabling hate and harassment to anyone as long as it gives them clicks. Tail the Wrens, come on down. Uh, others who have blocked the server say its members are likely to be surveillance capitalists <laughs> or mainstream propagandists. The administrator of an academic server wrote that the journal host server is, quote, willing to host some extremely scumbag journalist types and we don't need to be on their radar. Another said that, quote, reporters mining social media for fodder without the author's knowledge or consent is a plague on every other social media platform. And I think the Mastodon universe should nip it in the bud. For the record, I'm aware that some users might think what I'm doing with this article also fits that description. One journalist who was on Mastodon noted that there is also a cultural difference between the way people often behave on Twitter and expectations on Mastodon. I'm seeing a clear signal that this is at least in part about norms and conduct. He said, including a legacy insistence on sharing your articles, live posting, breaking news from journalists more used to Twitter. That doesn't fly here. There's a little bit more to this article, um, but somebody noted a, t a tweet like an, uh, just a, from a couple of days ago. Someone said, you know, guy, people who've been on Mastodon for a few years now are going to suddenly not be down with the fact that their feeds are cluttered with, you know, breakdowns of SNL skits and nonstop Donald Trump content. And uh, I, of course, find this enormously humorous that the fact that, you know, journalists got in their lifeboats, tried to claim a brand new beautiful tropical island. They get there and it's great. The water's warm. There's no Nazis. There's no peppies or whatever. And then they find out that the island is inhabited by a bunch of cannibals already. They're basically colonizing, if you will, another social media platform. Not very cool, journos. Um, and so I saw a great reply to my tweet that said, no, the journos are the cannibals and they arrived on the island to discover a fort. <laughs> So these are kind of the, the, the fascinating updates. And I guess I also saw someone ask a very important question. And it basically boils down to this. They, people like Ben Collins and um, Renz said that this is the end of Twitter. It's over with. And, of course, 
the people who leave Twitter, like, you know, um, this guy Oliver Campbell said, of course they think that only the website can run with them because they've been made to feel self-important in their stupid fucking job for the last three to four years. You're talking about people who got upset because Elon Musk closed the cafeteria and they might have to start making their lunches. One of one journalist or one journal media person in media's reply to that was first he buys their first Elon Musk buys their company and now he wants them to starve. <laughs> and it really is you're seeing you're seeing a new culture, and we always talk about this campus this idea of campus culture. Once the once these babies leave college, they're going to enter the real world, and and then they're going to be in for it. And then what we learned, especially in Silicon Valley, is they thought that they could run the thing. We saw this with Brendan Eich. At Mozilla and Firefox, where he comes in and he's the he's a guy who invents fucking JavaScript, which is what everything is run on today. He comes into Mozilla and he's like, "Hey, we're, hey, I'm here and we're going to do all this." And then some people at Mozilla went digging through his political donations and they found that he made a small donation, I guess, in favor of the same-sex marriage ban or something from how many years ago? Proposition, whatever. And they all threatened to quit and they all threatened to rock out and they revolted and they said, we're not going to work for him. And they protested and whatever. And he ended up leaving. He just resigned and said, okay, if you can't work under these conditions, whatever, if you, if I can't trust me because of decisions I made in the past, I will leave. And that was really kind of the start of this where they realized, oh shit, we have a lot of power. And what they're learning is Elon Musk does not subscribe to this kind of a uh, particular brand of altruism and do-goodism and uh, we're here to change the world. Elon Musk is saying, I'm here to create a successful product, much like the rockets we're using and much like the electric cars you all love. And I noted last night on the podcast or last night on Colin that this kind of self-importance that both journalists are showing and also fired employees at Twitter is why this thread by Oliver Campbell is so great is because they actually think Elon Musk doesn't have a group of engineers from Tesla or SpaceX that he can just put on an airplane, give them, write them a check for $30,000 and say, Hey, can you come in and look at this? Uh, the audacity of these people to act like this is it's astounding. And I've never seen anything like it. And the important thing you also have to remember is it's incredibly funny. These people have lost their toy. As I like to say, and they basically just don't know how to handle the fact that they've lost so much control. Uh, you, you people have probably seen me have a back and forth with someone named Kate Starbird today. Not really a back and forth. But she talked about what Twitter used to be. And it used to be something where people could, you know, live tweet their way out of a hurricane or say, hey, we're trapped here. Can you, you know, tweet something? And yeah. And that's what it was for, for how many, many years. It was a tool that could be used as a tool for journalists or media or people like me to hold them accountable. Uh, or just anonymous shit posters tweeting about music or whatever. And roughly that all changed in about 2015. And I noted that's you guys also then decided to make Twitter a, uh, a strong arm activist wing of the Department of Homeland Security and the CDC and the Biden administration to effectively attempt to silence disagreement. Um, there, there was no more debate about human biology. And uh, what makes somebody a, a human being as a male or a female? There was no more open debate about, hey, let, let's let's talk about vaccines. Um, there was no more debate about comedy. And so uh, as it stood, that website to me had to die. And we should all be thanking 
I don't know if you want to thank Elon Musk or if you want to thank the fact that Twitter just flew too close to the sun by banning the Babylon Bee. Ultimately, we should be thankful that all of those people are rendered uh, helpless. They have no more control over this website. They have no more power. And they have all been kicked to the curb. Twitter does not belong to them. It belongs to us. And they have learned a very hard lesson. Uh, wrapping up here, and then I'll jump into callers. CBS News said that they're done. They are, they are every affiliate. So every CBS affiliate, and I don't know if it's CBS reporters, are saying that they're done with Twitter, at least for now, until there's a review of uh, the speech policies and the hateful speech content. And it's like, how can you, what's a better way to give away what you are? It's actually a very good thing if media companies did that. If they pulled back and stopped making Twitter the center of their universe in their reporting, it would be the best thing in the world for them. It would absolutely, if journals just got off Twitter and stopped you know, working on their brand and started doing actual journalism as opposed to laptop class bitching, it would be the best thing that would happen for them and for media and for their careers. And it'd be, it would create a much more healthier media environment. And if Twitter just kind of went the way of Reddit or, you know, it's just, you know, a bunch of independent people in media and it's artists and bands and shit posters and whatever, and normies and maybe some crypto bros or whatever, uh, that would not be the worst thing in the world, which to me is why it is so endlessly funny that the worst of Twitter's tech journalists all held a funeral in Twitter spaces three nights ago. So that's where we're at. Um, we'll go for about an hour tonight because it is our Saturday night, or we'll just go through callers. I see a bunch of people jumped in back there. And um, I'm going to probably keep the order. Oh, it's all of it's all of my usual, usual dregs back there. I'll probably keep the order up. So we'll go for about an hour here, probably until about, um, oh, God, what is it, 6.30 Eastern? So about 7.30 or a little bit over. Uh, Jacqueline, haven't talked to you in a while. Good to see you. Oh, I guess I should make sure that you're in the queue. Uh, give me your thoughts on some of this stuff, or uh, it's also open to get out of you. Uh, feel free to just throw anything else out there. I was just going to make a quick comment about kind of what you talked about during your intro monologue about um, getting rid of the activists. I read that Twitter thread as well last night, and so I know exactly what you were talking about, and I thought it was spot on. And like you said, Elon didn't respond. So I think he was pretty much right on the point on everything he was saying that was happening internally at Twitter. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. This this is far more interesting to me, at least, than this shitty, you took our lunches away. And this is the problem with these tech journalists and how you know they're not really tech journalists, okay, is... What's far more interesting to me is how the culture is going to change inside of that building and, and how it's going to change on the app. And I'm kind of more excited to see what happens with it. Will the interface change? Does it become cleaner? Does it become easier to use? I mean, I said last night the new verification thing has just, like, ruined what I do, but I'm trying to adapt to it. I was trying to have a back and forth with Kate Starbird. This is a perfect example. I was trying to have a back and forth with Kate Starbird-ish. Um, I'm not coming from a place of respect for her because she's a fed, but I didn't see half of her responses to me because I have a million people now and verified. And that's, it's a perfect example of what I said, how it makes what I do harder. 
uh, because I had to go combing for her response, in which case I just kind of give up. What's interesting about that is that could probably cut down on harassment uh, a lot of people who at least complain around it. So if let's say I see a, a dumbass tweet from a journalist or a blue check and I, I either throw some snark their way or I link and I'm like, this isn't true or whatever it is that I do on Twitter. Um, for them to reply or whatever, it's, it's going to be impossible for this to go on. And so it, I think that this is something that could end up cutting down. I, I wish the verification was just that. I wish it would verify you as a person. You have to put in a credit card. Um, I don't really care about anonymity, but people who are putting in their credit card and paying $8 are very, are very much less to, you know, be posting the N word, for example. And so that's kind of my thing with, but this, this idea, this culture change of getting it back to a technology company is to me going to be the most fascinating thing to watch by a guy who clearly knows how to run them, or he clearly knows how to produce a product. I mean, what happens, I guess this is the question I was going to ask and you, and you can answer it or the room can answer it. What happens if in a month Twitter's fine? So we woke up, we all woke up on Friday and the app is fine. Like there's, I don't recognize changes. Uh, Saturday, today, app is running fine. It's kind of running on desktop, whatever. Um, but what happens in a month when nothing has changed other than the attitudes of the people who used to control it? Why should we take anything any of these people ever say seriously again? I'm talking Ben Collins, Brian Stelter, Charlie Warzel, Renz. Um, I'm talking about all of those people. Every, every journalist who claims they're a tech journalist and if Twitter chugs along in a few months and it's fine, why should we ever listen to a single fucking thing those people have to say? Well, I can't prognosticate what's going to happen in a few months with those people just because I don't pay enough attention about to them. Um, I just hear what you say on the podcast or on the call-in. But um, I just, one other thing, I don't know if you saw the pictures that Lauren Chen posted of um, two different pictures. One on the right was before Elon and one on the left was after Elon, or the one on the right was after Elon. And it was, the picture on the left was probably about 35 people, probably 35 people in both pictures. But the one on the left was like mostly... White yeah, women. I'm, yeah, like, I'm looking at it right now. This is great. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's like all these like super well dressed white women, and like maybe four or five guys, and then the picture on the right is like about thirty five. Yeah, maybe like three or four so, like yeah. women in it, and they're all like dressed like schlubs, and the actual people that are working. So it just shows you what they were wasting their money on. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's like three, I'm counting. There's like three white dudes, four white dudes. And then the whole, the whole photograph is uh, all women. And yeah, you have to think that these are like curation teams and trust and safety teams and um, all of this stuff. And then, yeah, I saw the photo that Musk posted today and it's all just fat, fat dudes in t-shirts and unshaven and looking like coders. And uh, there's also one of, of Musk sitting down. And this is another interesting thing. There's a reporter who's reporting on like every email that goes out. And one was 
uh, Twitter employees got an email that was said, basically said, I don't have it in front of me, but it basically said, um, Elon, well, here, let me find it. Cause I just, I just replied to John Gabriel for it here. So uh, bear with me. Uh, cause Gabriel kind of snarked on it a bit. Yeah. It's from, uh, Zoe Schiffer. Who is she? She's managing editor of platformer says new email from Elon Musk to engineers quote, please be prepared to do brief code reviews as I'm walking around the office. <laughs> and she says, that's it. That's the whole email. And it's like, yeah, that's how a tech company supposed to run right there. Like going around and saying, Hey, here's, here's what you working on. There was also a great photo of Musk's had the, the whiteboard and he had all the arrows and it showed all the, like, if you've, if you've ever worked in a tech firm or if you've ever been in one of these coding companies, whatever, they all have this as arrows going to different systems and different places. And then how's this supposed to feed into this? And this is how we're going to do it. And the other thing about this photo is, uh, there's this big chalkboard wall and the, I'm trying to make out some of these words. I think it's all of their handles and their Instagram. Yeah. It's all of their handles and it's all big chalkboard and stuff like this. And then the Musk photo is just a fucking conference table with a giant whiteboard in the background and coffee cups. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, this is going to be what's interesting and they're going to be, they're going to be talking about the culture changes now, just all men and it's, uh, it's sexist and whatever. And you might see that the app runs better than ever. I don't know if it does or not. Yeah, I agree. Um, they're going to keep getting shit for a long time just because that's what their brand is um, with the with the media. So they're just going to keep riding this train as long as they can until, like you said, in maybe three or four months, they realize that nothing has really changed. They all come back because Mastodon's crap, and then they will just have to move on and have to find something else to rant about. Yeah, I mean, platform. that's the whole thing. And um, someone pointed out that already on Mastodon, the, the, uh, the admins are having to warn people for blocking. Says uh, Stux, who is at Mastodon Social, what it, what's it with people reporting every single person they don't like? Please stop with that. This is not Twitter. Please use features like mute or block if you don't like people, but stop reporting. Otherwise, I'll start banning people who keep reporting for nothing. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm trying to keep things running with so many new people, and it's such a waste of time to hear whatever you don't like. Otherwise, go waste Elon's time, not mine. And I mean, that's, they're not going to claim a new platform. One thing I suggested last night, I was like, okay, let me be helpful. Let me be devil's advocate with this. If they wanted an alternative to Twitter, what would you actually do? If you're a journalist who you want a social media presence, uh, you probably don't use Facebook or you, you continue to use Facebook in a way. Um, but you can't do that because Real Daily Wire is there. And uh, as our insane QAnon boomers, um, and I thought, I mean, I was brainstorming with someone last night and I just, I mean, the thing that they, if they were smart or they would try to do is they would each try to create a sort of like a Twitter on their own website. So let's say, uh, let's say you want to go to CNN.com, right? You go to CNN.com and you have all the content and it's all about Trump, right? And then over on the right, you would have a sidebar and that you would have like CNN reporters live tweeting shit. And that, at least to me, would make a little bit more sense um, because 
you know, they would be tweeting out live stuff as it happens because that's always been the, the worst thing about how Twitter beat news is because Twitter happens in an instant. Second, you know, the second, like we saw at the Dallas Air Show, for instance, these two planes collide or one collides into another one, allegedly, and video from on the ground of these people is uploaded to Twitter and then journalists are like, hey, can we use that video? And so, I mean, I guess that that's what I would do. So if you liked following, if, you, if you're someone who just loves CNN, then you can just go to CNN. You can follow them live. Uh, if you like NBC, you can go there and if uh, they'll have their reporters and they'll have their sports reporters and they'll have everything. So maybe you just build all of your own little versions of Twitter. I don't know. That's just me being Mr. Mr. Nice Guy who hates most journalists on earth and most of the media we consume. How would they, how would you do it if you really wanted to compete with Twitter? And I think that that's probably the only way. The interesting thing is we haven't seen anybody propose that. They all just flocked it. They fucking all just flocked over to a German European owned uh, independent open source, for the most part, not great encryption uh, web server because the fucking Wes Anderson kid from NPR told them. Last word, Jacqueline. I'm going to dump you and keep going. Okay, yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, I'm just going to say I pretty much, I, I get what you're saying with the, like, CNN or MSNBC kind of created channels or applications that they could create but they're not going to do it because, like you said, the people that work as tech journalists don't know anything about tech. So they're not going to be able to create these things. That's why they have to use something else because they don't have anybody that knows how to create those type of applications. So they're just, it's not going to happen. They're just going to keep roaming around. And they'll all be back on Twitter. Of course they are. That's, that, that, is, that is the funniest thing about all of this is within two months, and let's say they get some glitches, maybe there's some outages, whatever, they, they figure out the verification system. Within two months, all of these doom scrollers are going to be, you know, doom scrollers at the Washington Post are all going to be back on Twitter, and TikTok might not exist. It's going to be, it's going to be hilarious. It's going to, I mean, this is going to keep going on, and just to see this just this, just this drama of this. And I said last night, some of you weren't in the room, I said, on Thursday night, you had this small group of tech, techie journalists like Stelter and Orzel and Lorenz and whatever, all just saying their goodbyes, like they're signing fucking yearbooks. You can get me at Mastodon! And whatever. And then if you look at the rest of my feed, at least, nobody was talking about it. I mean, people were because they were. But like, Adam Schefter was just like, tweeting NFL updates and there were other journalists, you know, retweeting stuff like national geographic and some architecture accounts I follow. were just tweeting out shit. Like n it, nobody cared about it. The only, if you weren't paying attention, all you had was RIP Twitter and the hashtag. And then you click that and it's all of those same assholes. And I think it was Beckett Adams from the Washington examiner that said he has not seen as much wish casting that this website's going to die. See, I told you so since the, uh, the Mueller report. So, and I agree with that. Like there's, there's just, they want this, they want this to fail so bad, but they're also just in complete grief that it's over. And it's like, wait a second, you know, like uh, prior, prior to two days ago, it was how the fuck do we get off this hell site? Jesus Christ, it's ruining society. And today it's, I love you. and I'm going to miss you forever. <laughs> Thanks, Jacqueline. Yeah, no problem. Go Bolts.
Tommy, you're up. Uh, hey, Stephen. Um, I know we we're talking about like some of the the crazy shit that was on Twitter when everyone was freaking out that it was ending. And I don't know if you saw that tweet from Kurt Eichenwall, and I thought that one took the cake. No, I didn't. Oh, it perfectly. Here's it. It says. I said, I took off my mask in a restaurant and one time went up to go to the bathroom without putting it back on, and now I have COVID. God damn it. Second day in bed. So I hear Twitter is dying, huh? And that is the perfect encapsulation of all their worldviews. Yeah. Like yeah, it, it I just, mean, it's, it's the nail on the head. Until they de-emphasize their own importance on it, it it's not going to lose the value. It might lose financial value. But they have to be the ones to basically leave it. Uh, I mean, you have Ben Collins predicting that it's going to turn into a mall and whatever like that. Well, in order for that to happen, you have to stop fucking tweeting, Ben. So why haven't you? If it's really dead, stop tweeting. And, and all the all the other ones, the Aaron Rupars and the Lorenzes and um, the, the Warzels and the, and the tech reporters, stop. Leave the platform. Why don't you? I mean, do what CBS did. Just say, no, we're done. We're, we're out. See ya. So why are they still around? And that's an important question that, of course, they're not going to be honest. Yeah, exactly. And I also like the, the all these tech journals have proven that they're totally incapable of trolling because if they really wanted to like to, to troll the, all the people who are new on Twitter who got unbanned, they would just go over to Truth Social, but none of them would do that. Or uh, if I was advising a certain former president, if he really wanted to pick his moment, I'd have Donald Trump go to Mastodon. Yeah, that'd be that'd be hilarious. And then just watch them lose their shit. <laughs> just watch him be like, get back in the life raft and come back to Twitter. Um, I said last night on, on the poll, on and I said in the podcast today, my feelings on Trump coming back to Twitter aren't, it's not based on any politics. It's not based on any, uh, oh shit, he's going to kill everyone. It's not based on that. I just... Twitter is way more interesting without a main character. Like it's, it's way more interesting when people are just kind of in their own categories, their own discussions, their own interests or whatever. And not everyone talking about the same fucking person every day, all day, all week, all month, all year. And I mean, that's kind of, that's my only reason. So to be, to be fully transparent on the Elon Musk Twitter poll, I voted no. To, to reinstate Trump. And it has nothing to do with free speech. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's my own selfish reasoning that I just said, which was, uh, we already have a new main character. It's Elon Musk. That's the guy who everyone is just centering everything around. And I, I don't, I, I like it when it's more interesting when you don't have that one character. Trump to me was far more interesting, you know, in that time speed, in that time space of two, 2012 to 2015, when he's just tweeting about, you know, lock up, lock up your daughters, Anthony Weiner, pervert alert. <laughs> like that to me was, you know, golden age Trump. And so I voted no, uh, not for politics, not for free speech. Don't get in my craw with that shit. I simply voted no just for the usability of the app in the sense of it's, it's way more interesting when there's not one fucking guy or one topic just dominating you know, I, God, what do I, I follow 1200 accounts. I probably pay attention to 70. Um, and th just to have them all talking about this fucking guy again, forget how I feel about him. Just it, it's, it, I tune, it's why I tune out a lot of the Musk discourse. Um, and I, I try not to be like one of his reply guys, unless it's really funny. Um, and so that's, that's my only thing of why I voted no.
Uh, yeah, I definitely think Musk is going to let him back on Twitter, and he probably already made up his mind before I, he. I think it. now, in fairness, if he's a if he's a candidate for president, and he follows the terms of service and he does whatever, because Trump's last two tweets were about January sixth, telling like everyone to be nice to the police. And now, granted, he's never been good at sarcasm, but. Um, if he's following the terms of service and whatever, then if he's a presidential candidate, I kind of, on the flip side, I kind of look at it and say, I don't know how you don't let him back on. If he was just the former president, he's just doing his boomer dad shit. Um, he probably doesn't get back on, but if he's going to be a candidate for president, I think you have to allot him the same opportunities, to, excuse me, to use the platform that everyone else is using. So that's the flip side of it. And I, I, I'm just, I'm, ambi- I'm mostly ambivalent about it. Like, fine, let him back on. Who cares? Um, but I'm probably going to mute every single fucking instance. I- yeah, it's funny. I always thought that, like, like I thought he should be on Twitter. And I thought his Twitter was really funny, especially, like, just after he had COVID and he was, like, tweeting us this random shit. But I thought that had he been banned, like, in, like, 2019, he probably wins re-election. Because, I'm like, that was, like, his Twitter was his... Like, that was his weakness, because so many people just couldn't stand the random shit. Yeah, this is the Matt Iglesias argument. Matt Iglesias is like, let him back on. Like, do you not forget how it, how it just drove the conversation to Republicans? Like, hey, did you see Trump's tweet? And Mitch McConnell's just like, fuck, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I don't need to hear it. Thank you. Um, and he's, he's, he's right about that, where every, every progressive should be out there voting yes. <laughs> to let him back on because of how much more difficult it's going to make the conversation for Republicans going into 2024. Yeah. And I saw how, like I saw Sam Harris said that Elon Musk should institute a rule that he bans anyone who deliberately lies about stuff and therefore Trump would be banned. And I was (laughs) like, so is every other United States government official. Yeah. But I was also like, dude, you literally said it was justified for deliberately lying about the the Hunter Biden laptop. So it would stop Trump from winning. So like, yeah, Sam Harris never fails to be the the honest insight into the mind of like every (laughs) journal. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Yeah, I saw his comments on it. And that's I saw I didn't even jump in that because I saw just people replying just like, okay, should Biden be kicked off or, you know, he just, he just gave MBS legal immunity from lawsuits over Jamal Khashoggi. Should he be, should he be kicked off for that? Okay. I mean, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that rule personally. So this idea that you can't, you cannot come onto Twitter and lie. Okay. Well, you shouldn't lie. Okay. Especially if you're in the the line of work that I do or journalists do or whatever. Um, but to like, how do you, how do you define that? Like, how do you define a lie from a shit post? And that's, again, they don't understand what social media is. And that's all it comes down to. They think that social media has to be harnessed to promote their work and their narratives and whatever. And it's not, it's a big fucking sandbox where you have to sit in there with a bunch of people building a lot of different things. And once in a while, you're going to get the kid building a penis. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, thanks for letting me hop on. Thanks, Tommy. There you go, just saying. I did, just skip me. <laughs> See, I didn't have to do it tonight. I I I thought uh, I thought two things. I thought, it, will he see that and move me to the front, or will he skip me? I just noticed it. I just I have your I have your screen name in my uh, in my head, so I just looked at it and I was like, oh, I should have I should have just waited. But uh, no, see, if, <laughs> if you just wait, two or three people. Like, wait till you see, like, Joseph, who Joseph jumps on sometimes, and then go, okay, I'll go two. If I you know. go three, then I won't skip you. But you skipped me, like, six times last night, and then I got a phone call. <laughs>
So I was like, yeah, I, I know, but I had a lot of new people last night. That's the thing. So hey, I bump up. I try to bump up the newbies. Just to hey, make, it's cool. Just to, just to try to get them to come back. I'm I'm here. I'm basically fucking DJing this thing. Okay. <laughs> uh, just a couple things. Uh, the Oliver Campbell wailing and calling. Uh, I just appreciated you tweeting that out. I forwarded that to my boss because um, uh, I work for a pretty large corporation and uh it's you know and at the top it's very woke even though it's not the type of company that a media would ever really notice or care about but anyway hold on i got a cat trying to get my attention um the uh but i I appreciate i read the whole thing and it just reminded me of like this is exactly like we have to do that at my corporation like constantly you know it's because i'm in sales so it's you know it's constant like you know what have you done for me today and i'm not kidding on that one the um but because I work for a woke corporation, I that's why I'm anonymous. And getting to the Jordan Peterson <laughs> anon meltdown thing, I was just like, here we go again. I go, doesn't he understand that there are people like myself who, you know, we tweet anything that could possibly come back on the company and we're fired. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like... I don't know if uh, Jordan Peterson quite understands that. Yeah, I love. I, I know I made the joke about him coming back. He he gets he gets out of Twitter, so he's one of the first three accounts that Musk unbans. So he unbans Kathy Griffin, which I think was good. You know, just to basically say you're out of timeout, and he'll probably bring back some of those other people who impersonated him. Um, and then he says Jordan Peterson and Babylon B have been reinstated. And within like two minutes of Jordan Peterson being reinstated, he's he's going full all caps on Musk. Mm-hmm. And if I was Musk, I would have just rebanned him right there. Just as right. a has been like, like he gets on and goes, "Don't verify people. Don't. What are you doing?" <laughs> right. Well, speak, I would have speaking just gone, of which, oh, fuck it, flip that switch back. Like just there, it would have been amazingly hilarious. Yeah. I'm with you 100. percent That would have been hilarious. But in uh, apologies to you, I signed up for uh, the blue check, and the reason I did, I never had it before, and the reason I obviously, but uh, the reason I signed up was I can't find the tweet, but. Elon basically, you know, he basically kind of heavily implied that anons are in consideration for scrutiny and, and you know, if we're going to keep them yeah. or not kind of thing. And, or at least and so that's why anonymous, I signed up. He, he's trying to he, – he, he says his goal is to get rid of bots. Yeah. And I, I will say if that's his goal, it's not going very well because uh, the amount of blocking I'm having to oh. do with crypto fucking shit is insane. Um, but – I think what he said is if you're an anonymous account and you're not on Twitter blue or whatever, then you're just going to be like deboosted. And there was one report that said you'd just be put onto another part of the website completely. Like you'd have to go physically look. Yeah. I hope he doesn't fucking do that either. Like, I but mean, that's why is, he, he came in and I like what Oliver Campbell said with the thread. Like he had to figure out something to, to test the, to test the staff and say, okay, let's find out who's actually here to make this company work and who's here to, you know, protest and, you know, go by 50 different genders on their name tag or whatever. And I, I still wish he didn't do what he did with the verification system. I, it, it, it completely ruined what I do. And um, that's fine. I'm not complaining. I'll, I'll adapt. You know, I'm doing okay with it. But yeah. like a perfect example is whenever I write something, the examiner or spectator will push it out on their own account. And I like to just retweet a lot. I don't really, you know, and then I'll put out a tweet that says, hey, here's my piece and whatever. Um, But I like to then retweet it a few times through the day just so different people see it. 
well, now I have to scroll through mountains of blue checks just to go back and find the tweet, or I have to do it on my own timeline. It's just like an, one of these annoyances. And I never had to do that before. And so I kind of wish they would have come up with something. Now I'm hoping he keeps legacy blue check and just say, Hey, this person was verified because they are, you know, part of the discourse of porn entertainment, whatever, or whatever it is. And then you just keep it and say, this person is Twitter blue. So, um, or just put like a thing under everyone's name that paid for Twitter blue and just say Twitter blue, just right under their, either right under their username or in the bio. And anyone who doesn't have that and has a verification, therefore, you Uh, know, it's okay. This person's a, I would just change the check. The check is, I would go like check is legacy and then give us another. He should just give you the black one. That would be cool. That would piss off. Like that would really piss off actual verified people. If he gave you guys like the, like the black check, that would be awesome. That would make me jealous. (laughs) But yeah, it sounds good. You know, or even skull and crossbones, uh, two more and then I'll, and then I'll, I'll drop off, uh, Trump, um, I voted yes, but only only because uh, not for entertainment value or whatever. I just don't – I'm just not for banning any – I'm like, hey, bring it on. And then I, the tools of mute and block – I never followed Trump. And the reason is is everybody curated the good ones and blasted them on the top. I, you don't have to follow them because, trust me, someone's going to put it in your TL. Yeah, the real, that's, the real that's exactly why I never followed him because – and that's what I mean about – a main character again on Twitter. I mean, Twitter was so, yeah, there's no way to put it. It was just a more interesting place when it just wasn't him all the fucking times. But on top of that though, I just want to say this though, the guy announced a couple days ago and it's literally out of the news. And the only thing that put it back in the news is, Hey, did you see where Elon Musk did a, did a thing? And it's like, it's like it's either it's cause it's too early and nobody cares. And it's, we're waiting for it to ramp up or really just nobody cares. With Trump, you know, announcing. Yeah, I mean, it it depends on like we talked about with his strategy. Did he just come out and announce? And now he's not going to start campaigning for a few months. Okay, that's probably what he should do. Um, I, I don't I don't see that happening because he's already mm-hmm. going to events. He was at he was at an event tonight on screen, and his goal his goal is he sees one or maybe two candidates that are in his way. And he's going to try to shore up support. That's why. That's why he backed yeah. Kevin McCarthy because he wants Kevin McCarthy, who's going to be the House Majority Speaker, maybe probably. Maybe yeah. he wants him to come out and say to the Florida Governor in particular, uh, you know, I'm going to back. I'm going to back the other Florida guy. So you should Ma- probably just think about not running. The problem is nobody really likes McCarthy either, and so yeah, there there are legitimate cracks in the coalition that Donald Trump is trying. My vote for Speaker would be Mike Rowe. Let's put Mike Rowe as Speaker of the House with that voice. Certainly debate moderator. Yeah. I think I, – who, who did um, I say? I think last they, they said who, who should be the perfect debate moderators. I said Brianna Joy Gray, Mike Rowe, and Charlemagne the God. I'm fine with those three. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about – I mean I know Charlemagne pretty well. I don't know about that one, but I understand it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would say Mike Rowe would be great. It would be out of left field. And Mike Rowe is the kind of conservative – that the left would have to literally dig through the trash to find stuff that's gonna stick to him. Which he's which Hopefully, which is what he's already done anything. for a living. Yeah. Exactly. Like what do you get this guy this guy's got his hand up uh, you know, orifices of cows uh, doing an insemination on T V for, you know, t- twenty years on this you know, like what are you gonna do to this guy? 
Um, but that that's just an idea. And the last one is uh, Shitstain Ben Collins. I thought we agreed that that was going to be his name. Um, was he, was that his Ben Rhodes moment from uh, the other night with the <laughs> yes, yeah. You know? What's so funny is Collins used to just kind of be one of these middle management tech reporter types with kind of a Twitter following, and then he, he now he's going on Joy Reid's show, which. Buddy, don't you dare fucking lecture me about disinformation while you bobble your head along to that racist bigot, okay? Um, But he really has, because of just how dramatic he is over what's happening, it's just, it's, it's, it's it's an impressive amount of overwrought just wailing coming from him. And he's now kind of, you know, propelled himself into the echelon of, uh, who's the first person that comes to your mind is having a meltdown over Twitter. And I mean, again, it goes to show like this was a guy who had a lot of friends in that building and a lot of sources yeah. and the louder their reaction is the, the more that they are like just completely going bereft of hope and, and, and grief and all of this stuff is the loudest ones are the ones that, you know, had the largest voice in that building when it came to, Hey, did you see this account spreading vaccine stuff? Can you do me a favor? Maybe look at that account. Thanks. Um, hey, the Hunter Biden story, you should probably like boost that or whatever. Or, hey, could you do this? And that that to me gives it away. That those people, the ones that you see making the biggest deal out of this are the ones who, you know, had the most powerful sources in that building in, in a way that affects how Twitter was. Up. And yeah, they I don't have said, it. Uh, and That's all this is about. Their power in that building is gone. And all of the projects they were working on or, you know, the DHS or the CISA thing that Kate Starbird was working on with Vijay Gad, gone. And you should be, you cannot overstate enough how thankful you should be no matter what happens to that website. If, if you are on it and you, and you partake in it and you're social with it, how you cannot overstate enough how much of a good thing it is that those people's claws are out of it. Yeah, I think with Vijaya Gad and Yo Roth and, and guys like Ben, I think every, anytime you see him, you should just say, Babylon B, Babylon B, yo. You know, That's just, it. You know, just to get there. Yeah, if, if you don't right, be on the yeah. Babylon B, we're probably not sitting here today. I, I tweeted that. I said, I tweeted something to the effect of, I, I still am laughing that this is all about Vijaya Gad and Yo Roth and co. Uh, banning the Babylon, and an hour later it was, hey, we're back, and I was just laughing, and I was just like, anyway, go America, go Broncos, and you guys have a good Saturday. Joseph, you're up. I'm going to try and with Sheila. So, go ahead. Hi, good to talk to you again. Joseph, where have you been? Uh, either tired from work or just didn't have anything interesting to say. Oh, okay. Well, then I appreciate you not joining the queue. <laughs> um, I guess I'll comment on the Mastodon thing really quick. Is just that it's funny to me that the same journalists that make fun of all like, far right people, like leaving Twitter, joining Gab, True Social, Getter, Parler, and then pulling a one eighty, going, "I'm leaving to Mastodon." <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not even that they're doing it; it's how they're behaving while they do it. Um, they they're behave, and I made that note last night. They're you have like actual professional journalists, and this is the other problem: they're going to go to Mastodon, and they're not going to have a following. You know, so, someone like for instance, like Molly John Fast, I haven't checked, um, 
but she's going to go to Mastodon and she's going to only get, you know, I, I guess they do a thing like boosting over there. So it's like retweeting and she's only going to get three, four, five, six, seven retweets a thing. And they're all going to be from her colleagues and people like that. They don't get the dopamine rush and that what their power, their power base is not as important over there. And you have to understand that that's what those people fucking depend on. Okay. And so that influence, that influence she thinks she has, or, and, and then there's others over there, like Parker Malloy, you know, and, and a few others. Um, but yeah, it's not so much that they're doing it. It's one, we know they're going to come back <laughs> Two, it's how they're acting and behaving as they're doing it. They're literally acting no different than like, you know, peppy tarted 69, 2020 saying I'm done because you, you banned Alex Jones. I'm going to parlor and I'm out. See you losers. And then all they're doing is going over and talking about what's on Twitter. Like that. Go. If if I'm a journalist over there, let's say I'm part of that whole crew. I'm going out of my way to not even bring it up. Like if you're going to make the platform your own, you can't spend your entire fucking time on it talking. Absolutely true. I think she did. I think she did join Mastodon and apparently some weird site called Post. I never heard of it until now. So real real fast, Joseph. Parker Malloy. Yeah. I just I just brought her up. <laughs> you guys ready? Are you listeners yeah. ready for this? Absolutely. So I so she said someone on this website called me an activist simply because I'm trans and um, blah, 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 blah. Here is a, uh, here is a, I don't know what you call it over there. Here's a, here's a Mastodon post from Parker Malloy. While I'm still currently on the journal host instance at Adam Davidson's decision not to take action on anti-trans content isn't inspiring confidence. And I totally understand why other places are doing instance level blocking. I still haven't decided whether to go or stay, but I'm writing this to say that the criticisms of journal hosts aren't unfounded. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think, you know what, now that you're mentioning it, I think I saw something uh, from Katie Herzog uh, mentioning, like, Adam Davidson. Just, like, I think probably something from that from, like, Parker Malloy. Yeah, I mean, again, if, if it becomes Lord of the Flies, because if they don't have us to attack, if they can't get users banned, like say, me or uh, people who are on the political right or Chris Rufo or Matt Walsh or any of those people, they're gonna, they gonna turn to someone else. <laughs> okay. Because that's who they are. They, it's, it's their, it, it's who they are is, is a person. So here now you have Parker Malloy turning on Adam Davidson, who, uh, the NPR guy. And eventually I guess people are going to realize maybe Twitter's not the problem. Maybe Thank you for letting me speak up here. I can wait to talk Thanks. to you again. Yeah, good to see you, Joseph. Matt, you're up. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to kind of speed through people here now, so go ahead. Hey, Stephen. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Go ahead. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah, I, I guess my thoughts on Twitter are Twitter's good for two reasons. One is like you said, the real-time news where, you know, anyone on the street can go and upload a video of some news happening and all of a sudden that gets rocketed around. <clears throat> and then the other part is you can go and 
yell at whoever you want. So you can go tell <laughs> Taylor Swift that you know her music's not very good or not very original, or that she sold out. And yeah, there's a, there's a chance that they or she's a fed. There you go. Exactly. Um, Someone and, last night said that they said the the journalist class truly believes that that platform exists for them and it's up to your job to shut up and listen and if you just go hey this doesn't match like the paul pelosi story is a perfect example where they get all their information wrong we simply go hey why is this why are we getting multiple stories and then you're labeled a fucking conspiracy theorist and by the way you need your account banned and we're just hold on wait no this is your reporting but someone noted last night it, it, it there is no replacement for it because, for instance, until, again, those people stop using it. Like someone noted, it's not even someone like Ben Collins. It's someone like Adam Schefter, where he says, I can go to Twitter and instead of watching TV or waiting for my fantasy team, I can go to Twitter and scroll Adam Schefter and, oh, that guy's out today. Or you can watch it during football games or whatever. I personally think live tweeting sporting events is the most annoying thing on the entire website. Um, like I don't watch college football. So on Saturdays, I'm just tuning the shit out. I'm tuning out half of my people that I follow, but yeah, there's no comparison for it. And they're going to learn that. And so they're going to have to learn essentially what people on the political right have learned forever is you're going to have to learn to exist on a platform, uh, where you don't have a ton of power anymore. It's like, you're just who you are. You're NBC Ben or you're whatever. And conservatives have had to be on this platform walking on eggshells for the past three or four years because you could get banned for saying men can't have babies. And here you go. Someone like Parker Malloy, you're going to have to make a decision. Now you're going to have to deal with that now. And that's not advocating transphobia. That's not advocating hate speech. That's a simple fucking fact of biological science. And so you can either deal with that, tolerate it, or you can leave because, you, again, your power is gone. And this is how guys like me have felt now for three, four, five years. And it's like, well, now you get a taste of it. And it's every any time. And the reason they're going to cling to it and they're going to try to claw it back, by the way, or they're just going to try to nuke it is what I think is the next thing they're going to do. Um, it's basically if we can't have this toy, then none of you can. And their behavior over the last two days shows me that. Um, but again, they're going to have to kind of learn, are you, are you willing to exist on a platform that you can no longer control? And that's what's. Right. They're, they're, they're just here to, uh, <clears throat> they're just here so that they can speak to us peons and that we have to go and listen to them and we should have no say on, on, uh, anything that they have to say. Yeah. That those days are over. All right, that's, that's all I had. I'll, I'll keep it quick. Just got to say, let's go cool. Devils. That's all. Yeah, th- I was going to I was gonna say, this is my New Jersey mat, so not my Boston mat. So uh, uh, good job. You guys You guys got yourself some good retro jerseys this year. I was pretty proud of those ones. They're interesting. I They kind of look a little bit too close to the originals. Like, Yeah. But I, I do like them. I do like the, the Colorado, the old Colorado Rockies jerseys, so. Um, yeah, it's cool to see that worked in. At least it's at least it's not a jersey that just says jersey on it. I know. <laughs> just need the pants to say pants too. And yeah. Gloves, helmet. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Take care. Thank you. You too.
thing. A second, sometimes it's glitchy, but we hear sound. Yep, there he is. Uh, hey, Stephen. So I'm just uh, I'm just following up on you know what's been going on with Twitter at, with all these journals just claiming that Twitter is going to go on the ground and full and I simply just do not believe this. I mean, I remember when people debated about net neutrality back in 2017 and they claimed that um, just a minute without internet connection means that the whole world is going to end. Yeah, people were going to die. Um yes, people were people. <laughs> yeah, and and I honestly think that, you know, I honestly don't think that Twitter is going to die. Die. It will die within five to ten years. I think life just moves on. But I'm wondering with people migrating to Mastodon, I'm just like, why didn't you do this 10, 10 years ago when it first came up on the news? Like, I remember all these open source social networks that popped up, and people were claiming that, you know, this might be the new Facebook. This might be the new Twitter. And a week later, it wasn't a new Facebook. It wasn't a new Twitter. So I'm kind of baffled to why when they move to a new place, they realize that it's not as great as it seems. Because it's it's something that... it's something There's something weird about how these people these people talk. And it's not going to be some something that it's not going to be something that you know attracts new users. Uh, at the same time, it means that these people are going to uh, these kinds of people are going to migrate. Why should? What's the point if these people are going to be assholes? I mean, that's the same with um, same with Gab. You you know when people when Gab was announced, everyone um, from the white moved in. But not a lot of people are going to use it. Right. And I mean, because it's an echo chamber, eventually talking to like-minded people becomes very uninteresting for, for, and that could be for, if you want to use Twitter to just argue and like what Matt just said, if you just want to tell Lady Gaga, she sucks in several different ways. Um, you, you lose that allure. It doesn't, and it doesn't matter what po your politics are. It doesn't even matter what your philosophy or ideology is. When you're surrounded by like-minded people for that long, it becomes boring. And eventually you just learn to hate those people because they're not like in your house. They're not your spouse. They're not your family. And again, that that's Twitter's Twitter's power is always derived from its user base because you did have like MySpace, right? And MySpace, while it, it created certain celebrities, it, you know, people with large followings, it never really it never was able to get celebrities. So you'd still have like Obama posting in, in the, in the kind of the final days of MySpace, um, or at least what MySpace was. And then Tom cashed out and it became like a music site for a bit. Um, and that's, that's most social media companies power is their user base. Facebook was smart enough to say, okay, we're, we're losing users. What, what can we do here? that is going to keep people on the website. So they kind of expanded, but now they have Facebook marketplace where 
you it's like it's like craigslist but you know that everyone who's listing shit on marketplace it has a profile and a face so you probably know you're not going to get shot trying to buy a playstation off of them um and so that kind of kept users going on there and so each of these platforms the power comes from the users it doesn't it, it comes it can come from the then how how big these users are so in the early days of twitter twitter landed on the map because of basically barack obama and lady gaga that's those two accounts. And it said, these are the real people. That's verified Lady Gaga. She's talking directly to you. We've never seen that happen before. If you, if you wanted Lady, if you wanted Lady Gaga to talk to you, you'd have to go to a show. Okay. Well, now you don't have to do that. And uh, granted, it's probably not all the time her or something like that, but that's, that was the allure of it, kind of like what Matt was saying. And then eventually they started verifying. So that's how you knew it was actually the celebrity. You knew that that was Lady Gaga. You knew that it was Katy Perry. Uh, Katy Perry was another big one back in the day. And so they basically attracted all of these people. Twitter, Twitter was sold on the promise of access. Like anyone can create an account and you can just tweet at Lady Gaga. She might respond to you. And then, of course, media companies got into it. And instead of just media companies being on it to share, it turns out they they made their entire business model surround it. And the reason they did is because of, like you said, and what Matt said, the real-time news nature of it. Events happening in real time. You can't beat that. I mean, you 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 could not talk about this last night. The night of the, the the Boston Marathon bombing is one of the most memorable nights on Twitter because people were just glued to it from day until they caught that fucking kid. In, you know, at three in the morning. I think it was like three or four in the morning on the East Coast. I was up all night. I had my laptop in front of me. I had my phone. I had the police scanner on. Watching television did nothing. But I was getting real time information on Twitter, and they absolutely cannot beat that until the until nbc news or cnn figures out a way to beat that model twitter's not going to go anywhere and again i guess if media companies and journals want to leave it that's great but there's going to be a base there where you know even if lady gaga doesn't tweet that much anymore she has what a hundred million followers where her record company knows they can put out information about her tour and it'll crash the website and so to me, too much value has been built up in it. It's not my space. People aren't going to just leave it. And by the way, nobody gives a shit if Ben Collins or Taylor Lorenz leaves Twitter. Most people will probably celebrate. They'll help. Pe- they'll help. Yeah. And for what it's worth, um, isn't it weird? Because I remember when five years ago when t- uh, Taylor Lorenz wasn't as huge as she was now, she was attacked by Antifa. And no one. Some people kind of cared about it, but now when you uh, when you're attacked by Antifa, you just get like death threats and hate mail about it uh, because Antifa means anti-fascist. Um, but you know, I've I've just like I've been on Twitter for twelve years now, and I got a couple a hundred hundreds of followers, and you know, there'll be points where. You know, if you were on that platform long enough, like, you want to know how to, like, increase engagement, then the dopamine is there. It, you just have to be, you just have to be incredibly angry and show that you, you know, achieve this, achieve getting muted or getting blocked by, um, by, by user who, 
you know, you keep lobbing insults until they basically lose it. Because that's basically the main appeal on of Twitter for me. Um, and, I, and personally, I don't think it's really healthy for anyone to do that. Like I've seen people who have, I'm friends with people who have 100,000 followers um, and they were having loads of engagements. Their website um, were having loads of engagement because of, merely because of Twitter. But as soon as you express like a contrary opinion um, that goes against what your followers were following you in the first place, then it becomes, all of a sudden, it just becomes a really, really toxic place. And, you know, if I have any sympathy for, you know, at least a modicum of sympathy for, like, the Taylor Lorenz's or the Ben Collins, which, by the way, they don't. But if I have any sympathy for any of the blue checks who just discovered that Twitter, Twitter happens to be a mean place, I guess, you know, they should take this as a learning lesson and see what else can they do in order to, you know, ensure that you do come from a place of integrity, but also ensure that you're not there simply um, to wow everyone up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't get a ton of like criticism from people. Uh, I, I did like a joke tweet last night about the Atlantic and it's still going. And I, I've never seen anything like it. So I'm thinking it's just completely bot attacked. Um, I think the lesson for some, oh, like, I, um, I think, I think, I think the Atlantic, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, speaking of the Atlantic, Molly John fast posted something about this thing called post.news. Okay. But go ahead. Well, great. Good for her. Um, I, I think journalists and people in media who express opinions, I think Taylor Lorenz, mainly her whole thing is you should not be able to make fun of me on the internet. And that literally is what it boils down to. Now, I'm not talking threats. I'm not talking death threats. I'm not talking sexual abuse threats or anything like that. I'm talking jokes and trolling and memes and things like that. It simply comes down to you're not allowed to make fun of me. Her MSNBC interview where, she, you know, she is horrifying <laughs> or whatever, that went around and everyone watched that and went, wow, she does. She comes off kind of like a sociopath. And she had the video removed. She blasted MSNBC over it. And it's like, that's you, though. That's, you're, you're just angry that, that you're, you're coming off very much this way. And the whole, the whole thing comes down to is I should be able to make fun of you and you cannot make fun of me. And that, that is an attitude that is pervasive through media. And I guess my attitude for her is sack up. Like, this is the thing about journalists. Either you're brave firefighters rushing into stories, as Katie Turr says, or you're fucking cry bullies on Twitter. Um, I have enormous respect for, you know, journalists on the ground in Afghanistan during that evacuation. I forget her name from CNN. Like, holy shit, get the fuck out of there before you're killed kind of thing. And, you know, or then you look at what Dasha Burns did with John Fetterman, where Dasha Burns just goes, I don't think he understands words. And Chris Wallace just talked to, to Kara Swisher about this. And I was going to maybe go into this more on my podcast next week. And Chris Wallace was like, why did you like personally dogpile her? And she's like, I was just irritated and I got emotional. And it's like, you're a fucking journalist. Like, what do you, what is this shit? 
um, you're like reliving the worst cliche. She's like, I was also a stroke victim. And it's like, okay, all right. Um, and so that, um, that's my attitude to these people is you can't expect to put your work into the world and then think everyone is just going to blow sunshine up your ass over it. And then they get shocked because they've been coddled through fucking school and they're rich families for their lives that when you write a piece for the Washington Post where there's riddled with errors, I'm not even talking about uh, an ideological op-ed. Her work is consistently riddled with errors and dishonesty. And when you do that, people are going to go, hey, you're, you're kind of dishonest here. And then you go, oh, I'm the victim. And it's like, people don't go for that. Maybe maybe 20-year-old colleague reporters go for that, but nobody else goes for it. And that's all it comes down to. Like, like I said, look at what's just fucking happening on Mastodon. Journals are already beginning to eat each other. And it's, it's wonderful because maybe these guys will figure out that, again, I know how Twitter can be unhealthy. But something I've always said is Twitter is whatever you want it to be. <laughs> if you don't want drama in your timeline, there won't be drama in your timeline. There's not much drama in my timeline, you know. So it's kind yeah. of like if you look, if you go looking for it, it's gonna find you. So Alex, I'll give you one last quick word. Okay, so uh, for what it's worth, the CNN reporter who was on the grounds of Afghanistan was close of That's right, close award. I really like what is, and I will say that I would say that, you know, like you said, Twitter is, you, you basically do what you can in order to um, make yourself feel comfortable with the platform. But at the same time, you got to expect um, some criticisms being lobbed uh, along your way. So uh, that's all I, that's all I got to say about that's all I got to say about that. But I hope that Twitter lives on under Elon, under Elon Musk because, you know, it's still going to be alive. It's still going to be uh, active no matter what happens. And Mastodon, um, good luck to them, but I don't think it's going to be as big as it is going to be. Uh, also, for what it's worth, uh, Antonio... Uh, what's his name? Antonio Garcia's... Yeah, Martinez. He's... He said something like, oh, I can't believe we went from tech world to oppressed worker. Yeah. Like, I remember so many times, I remember when, like, cultural reporters, because uh, I follow, like, cultural writing, and most of them cannot stand tech bros for some reason. And I find that utterly baffling. And, you know, Taylor Lorenz was one of them. Was one of them. So it's all, it's all just high school, prissy pat, uh, catty feuding on their part it is and it's it has a lot to do with the culture that they came out of at university and schooling and the privilege that they came out of with their family so thanks alex it's good to hear from you again you're welcome uh i'm, I'm taking a couple people out of the queue there we're gonna wrap up with sheila i'm gonna let sheila rip it this is a good a good one to go in and just let her go crazy on jeffrey go ahead good to see you again Can you hear me? Yep, you're good. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. I was just uh, calling in, just sort of a uh, touch up on uh, the uh, calling you had way back when about you know people's experiences with COVID. 
you know, it's the one where I talked to you about, you know, my mom's circumstances. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the next day I just happened to speak to my sister who is as apolitical a person as you can find is my sister. Uh, and you know, I happened to mention to her about, you know, I'd been in the call in the night before, you know, talked to him about mom. I've got to tell you, I thought I was pissed off about what happened with my mom, but man, she went off for about half an hour straight about all of that. And this is a lady who has not voted in her life. And it was a, uh, I don't know, it was something to experience because, you know, I've, you know, and my dad had, you know, sort of egged her on over the years about voting and so on and so forth. And, you know, she has no interest in doing any of that thing. And so that, that there, um, I know that the midterms didn't quite work out the way that we'd hoped they would, but I don't know. Something about that, it, it gives me hope for the future that she was like murderous in her hatred of the people who helped out on the other side, the people who are on the other side of the COVID game. Yeah, I, coming out of the midterm, I I don't think that Team Red did a good enough job of basically saying, remember what they did to you. And I think that could have been a stronger message than, I mean, inflation is fine, but the Biden administration's goal is to just keep inflation where it is so people just get used to it and it's the new normal. But, um, you know, I, I would have pushed infinitely harder on a lot of the COVID policies. I mean, in Michigan, who knows what we might have lost. I mean, who knows with Haukel or whatever. Um, so I think that that was probably a misstep. And then it all comes down to um, how is that going to affect 2024? Because it doesn't look like Biden is trying to get rid of this anytime soon. He's still he's he, he they're talking about extending the COVID emergency through April. So. Uh, I mean, that's kind of how I look at that. So, but, uh, you know, to comment on your sister, I would say that's the saying, vote hard, vote hard, vote angry. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Go ahead. Uh, no, that that was it for me. I'll let you close it Okay, out. thanks, Bye. Jeffrey. It's good to hear from you again. Sheila, let it rip. Thanks for waiting. You're going to... Hi, can you hear me all right? I had some problems with connection earlier. Nope, you're good. I'm good? You can hear... You're not hearing, like, every third word or nope, something? Nope, I'm, I'm hearing... I'm hearing every single beautiful word you're about to speak. Oh, thank you. I just wanted to check in. It's been a couple of shows since I've been... We're, we're, we're still here. We're still going. <laughs> we're still here. <laughs> same, 
So I changed my dot so that you could actually see my face. I have a real face. I'm not a cat. Uh, I, I still a... don't believe that you're not a cat, so. <laughs> Sheila, what, what do you think about the great journal meltdown of 2022 over Oh, you know, my Twitter? God. Um, well, you know, I'll, I will say that there are, are uh, advocate journalists, and I guess I, I might even fall into that category of advocate slash journalist slash media, you know, spinner uh, at times. And over the years, you know, if you're a single issue pusher, which I definitely have been, um, you know, if it's not mass surveillance one day, it'll be some privacy thing the next day or some tech this antitrust that, you know, whatever will get me the outcome of more privacy, that kind of thing, and more internet security, more liberty away from mass surveillance, you know, and there's a lot of plates you got to kind of get involved with. So, you know, one of the main things about Twitter is that you can talk to other advocates and talk to them about points of refining for things like legislation, uh, things and weigh in and discuss these things. And there was so much of that that was completely lost after, I would say, 2012. And and I have uh, a little program here on Colin called The Unsanctioned Citizen. And we're at the last few days of a promotional of uh, the 100 Days of Colin. And one of the things that Jesus, came has up it been that was, long? Oh, yeah. It's been 100 days. Oh. Uh, to, like Monday. <laughs> oh, congrats. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I mean, it's, it's a milestone. <laughs> I just wanted to mention it. Um, so one of the things that came up today was that, you know, I realized that there was kind of like the beginning of this grand silencing of those outside of the the developing orthodoxy that was mainly slanted towards hard, hard power and leftist communism um, started around 2011. And I, I put it in terms of like the, the, the crotch inspection at the airport and there was pre crotch inspection and then post crotch inspection at the airport. The minute they put that, that, that surveyor in the airport where they can basically x-ray a body to inspect your genitals. And then the alternative, if you don't want the DHS to take a picture of you is to step out and get felt up by someone at TSA. Uh, that was the dividing line probably for me and most things. Uh, the fact that, you know, now a public agent uh, of the Gestapo can, can touch your, your, your nether region. Otherwise you can't fly. Uh, that is kind of the, the dividing line that that became the uh, litmus test of what you will tolerate as a public. So, um, so right after that time, I would say 2011, uh, there began this grand chilling, uh, this fall, this great peeling away of people who were not uh, conforming to the civil libertarian narrative. And then there was just these catastrophes Um you know, there was the the, the overcriminalization of people like Aaron Schwartz and Julian Assange, and then uh, when that wasn't enough, and and Schwartz, you know, took his own life. A few months later, there was the Snowden leaks, and then uh, Glenn Greenwald exposed all of this, and then there was the Intercept. You know, there was a whole age of um, you know the civil libertarian outcry 
that ended up just being a giant flag for this is what, you know, we're, we're really done here. And what I saw people do is they actively handed the ball to a bunch of communitarians who were posing as civil libertarian watchdogs. That's what they were doing. And they just let it happen. It was like, don't you know who these people are? Okay. You know, and then they didn't look out for civil liberties. They didn't care about the constitution. They didn't care if you had another civil liberty that day. They wanted to regulate everything, not get rid of it and reinstitute, say, the norms of the Fourth Amendment. Everything was new normal, new normal, new normal. And that's all I ever heard coming out of Stanford. Okay, I would I would go to these meetings and I'm like, nothing here sounds like constitutional rhetoric that says we're going to we're going to draw this back and bring back civil liberties. No, it was new normal, new normal, new normal. And they were tacitly kind of, you know, birthing it along. It was like a birth canal where they could they could pull out the tyranny that they thought that they wanted. And they're like, no, we'll just regulate it. It'll, we'll just we'll just regulate it. This is mass surveillance. We'll just regulate it, you know, and then they did get the USA Freedom Act because obviously this was illegal. There, it wasn't going to be stand, stood for for forever. But then, you know, one emergency after the other, it got abused and then COVID and then there became another type of awareness. People, you know, there was woke and then people who woke up, they woke up through what Jeffrey's experience and most everybody had that, you know, they had, wait, wait a minute. We cannot just let these people make all the decisions in our culture and, and for us because Twitter, because Twitter blue check and, and they stopped listening to anyone. It wasn't a discussion anymore. It was talking down their nose. So today I'm going to call this, this new Musk revolution. He's been there two weeks, Stephen, two weeks. And I had the first conversation with another advocate in that communitarian left space, trans guy, Evan Greer at uh, Fight for the Future. And the last thing that was said was that I'm glad they give you a hall pass because he never in the eight years that he's that I've been aware of him. He's never tweeted back and forth to me. Not once, not once, not one single time. And I think this this might be the beginning of, you know, maybe some of the humane techs campaigning that, you know, we've got to start having discussions with people we threw in the trash like 10 years ago, you know, because they're not going to necessarily just go along with the, you know, tautocracy. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned COVID and this is where, I mean, this to me is where all the warning signs hit was, you know, first it was, I mean, they really leaned into the cliche that, I mean, when they got rid of Alex Jones, it was like, you know, that, you know, this doesn't stop here, right? Whether you like them or not. And then COVID hit and they're, you know, they're banning people like Robert Malone and people that I don't necessarily ascribe to, but that's, when you say the conversation stopped, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. They just said, this is what it's going to be now. And if you disagree or whatever, you're going to lose your accounts. You had very smart, educated people with different forms of opinion basically saying, you know, hey, hold on. I'm, I'm questioning I'm questioning the decision making coming from federal government on some of this stuff on health decisions, whatever, X, Y, Z. And they were just vanished. And that was that was one where, you know, people who don't even prescribe to that ideology just went, what what's what is this? 
and that was the disturbing thing. And that's what we learned through, you know, emails and through the Intercept report, which was uh, basically social media was coordinating with the CDC and the federal government. And it's like, that's the opposite of what social media should be doing. Like, this is the opposite of what tech companies should be doing. I get that there are partnerships and I get that they do. And you have to keep it, you know, you have to keep extremism in check and you have to monitor it and all of the shit. But they were labeling everything as extremism, like everything. It wasn't it wasn't just, you know, uh, white supremacy and and uh, ISIS and radical Islam and all those things. They were just saying, if you just basically are against what we're telling you, you have to do you are you are now an extremist and that's really and, what the and, last and the three years of, had no that's really what that's... yeah that's really what the last three years of twitter have been where it's kind of like am i gonna like wake up almost every day and it's like is today to the day that my account goes poof maybe real fast real fast i'll get this in i'll give you the last word how, how did you survive that by the way I, i'm just, not really sure you plow through it like you literally i just plow through it so I, I know for a fact my account was being throttled. I know based on prior to when it happened. I know exactly when it happened. I know when it stopped happening. And my thing was always like, I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of me going, I'm being shadow banned. Retweet that. Like, fuck you. I'm not giving you that satisfaction. I'm going to stay here until you kick me off. So you just plow through it and you just go, okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Yeah, sure. Podcast subscribers pretty much died for four months, but no, nope, you just keep doing it. And you don't tell them real fast. I'll give you the last word. Elon Musk, the people have spoken. Trump will be reinstated. Vox Populi, Vox Day. Yes, for sure. Uh, I, I No matter what you think of Donald Trump, it, it was abhorrent that as a world leader, he was pulled off. Uh, it, is, it is when you and still keep, you know, the CCP and the Shah of Iran on. It. Oh, yeah. It is. There's no justification <laughs> for it. <laughs> They were they were not criticized. You know what? Because they were anti-American. You know, anyone who's anti-American will be will be allowed. Uh, and that's when you know you're on the other end of some other lip. And so I, that's really all I would have to say to that. I mean, Trump deserves to have his Twitter account back. He'll still be a competitor with Twitter, uh, but he ha- him having that will honestly. I just want to see their faces melt. And I tweeted that. Today. I don't, I, tweeted I don't that think their like, faces really... are going to melt. I think there's a lot of people specifically, you know, Trump, former reply people who are seeing dollar signs again. That's another reason I didn't really want him back on the platform, but that's uh that's another conversation. Okay. All right. I'm going to let you have it with that, <laughs> but I really wanted to see their faces melt and, and get a picture. of Oh, it some will. I mean, mostly journalists it. will. Um, I mean, it's, it's the same crew and they're going to say, oh, this is dangerous. This is bad for democracy. This it's the Atlantic and it's, it, you know, it's all of those people, but secretly they're all sitting there going, holy shit, I'm going to be able to write two more books. hundred <laughs> percent what it is. I guarantee you right now, uh, Rick Wilson's looking to gear up to buy another house now. Oh my God. He's like, wait, wait, wait for it. And as soon as he gets it, he's like within 15 minutes, just like a high, high frequency trader. He's like, go. Yeah. No, that's, that's, they're all, I mean, who was, there was even like this comedian who made, what's her name? Sarah something who all she did was lip sync his audio and Netflix gave her a fucking special. We haven't heard it from her in two years. And that's what I'm talking about. All of those people are now like, awesome. He's back on Twitter. 
And they might sit there and hide behind me. This is bad for America. It, the country's over. But that's not what they're really thinking. They're, they're, they love seeing this. And that's another oh, the reason why. The going to go hog wild. Yeah, there's, that's another reason I'm, I don't know, would have preferred to not see him back. But he is. And that's it. Yeah, it's like when you re-release the wolves back into Yellowstone. Yeah, no, that's a good. Yeah, that's a better analogy than than you think, because that's all Twitter is now is a land of wolves. So, Sheila, I'm going to kick you off because I got to go take my dogs out. Uh, all right. So, but good to hear from you again. Uh, this has been episode 65, Cry Space. Um, as we just end, which I always kind of like to do on episodes because they'll probably lead into a new one. Uh, Musk saying Trump will be back on Twitter or at least reinstated. Who knows what he decides to do? Um, thanks again to my callers tonight. This was just kind of a fun, relaxed one. Thanks again to my listeners. Uh, I should be back Tuesday on uh, Patreon and probably Tuesday back here as well. And just uh, it'll be a shortened week on the podcast because of the holiday. So uh, happy Thanksgiving. Um, so there's that. So again, thanks again to my callers. Thanks again for you guys for listening. I appreciate it. You've got to keep the show up there. And uh, just kind of bopping along. I guess it's been 100 days. Who knew? So, again, uh, catch me on Twitter at Red Steez or on Versus Media on Patreon.